Welcome back to Kids Corner here. I'm Jonathan Kidd along with Jeff Dulac. It's been a couple weeks, but we are back. We are back, and football season is just around the corner. Practices start on Monday, and it's just a couple days away. Kids Corner is brought to you by Hungry Howie's Dough Razor. Go to doughraiser.com for more details. Diversify Members Credit Union, the official credit union of the Detroit Lions. Before we really get going here... Which schools start at midnight? The only one that I'm aware of as of right now is Wald Lake Central. Uh, we're planning on making our, our trip out on Monday to a couple of different midnight practices, but the only one I'm aware of right now is Wald Lake Central. That's a team that's done it for, for a matter of years now. I, I, they've got to be getting close to seven or eight time, seven or eight years now. It seems like there's five or six new schools that do it every year, but it doesn't really seem like there are a whole lot that really – consistently do it year after year after year you know you're talking about some of these schools around the state some of the coaches don't want to be burdened with trying to get up at midnight to go and do a football practice and then you know a lot of them have families and they have to get their families up at you know 6 a.m i'm a big fan of it because for a lot of people who played high school football you know growing up that night before football practice one way or another they couldn't these kids can't sleep they're excited and, you know, why wait? And I think that's what a lot of these coaching staffs think. And I, th- I know that's the way the Wild Lake Central coaching staff thinks. And they just, they're just they just ready to get at it. And you're going to be starting our Snapchat filter that day. Yeah. Uh, if you follow State Champs Net on uh, Snapchat, um, all season long, really, we're going to have all the best, you know, content on, on Snapchat. So we're going to be out at a lot of practices, you know, promoting the, the teams and our coverage. And you're really going to get more of an inside look at you know, the things that we do behind the scenes, not only in studio here, but out at games and places that we are and covering and, you know, 24-7 is the kind of coverage we want to bring and, you know, Snapchat's going to allow us to do that it, and it really reaches out to, you know, the, the high school students much better than some of the other social media streams that we've already got. Well, follow us on Snapchat at State Champs Net. So camp starts on Monday. So we're going to talk about the five storylines going into camp. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Detroit Catholic Central and Brother Ice. Two new head coaches this year. Dan Anderson replaces Tom Mack. Yep. Adam Korzanewski replaces Dave Soffron. The hires themselves make a lot of sense. Dan Anderson has been on, on Tom Mack's staff for a long time. He's Not not a whole lot's going to change with the mentality and the direction of that program. You will, you know, you will see some changes, obviously, with like you see with any new coaching staff. But Catholic Central is going to be able to pick up right where they left off, you know, for, from a year ago. They were at Ford Field, and I think the the continuity is important for the Shamrocks because this is a team that I believe will make another deep run into the playoffs. It's going to help having the same coaching staff intact with Dan Anderson now leading the way for the Shamrocks, and I think that it's going to help because you're going to have a lot of players who aren't, you know, they don't have to adjust to a new coach and a new style and all an entirely new coaching staff. You have Dan Anderson, who's going to be in there, bring the same type of leadership and the same, you know, the same type of message that Tom Mack always had. You know, Catholic Central is going to pick up right where they left off with Dan Anderson. I, I expect a big year out of the Shamrocks. With Brother Rice, you know, I think I can speak for the both of us. We were pretty surprised when we saw that Dave Safran was let go at the end of the year. Adam Korsnuski comes in. He was a former defensive coordinator, I believe, under Alfred Casa. In my opinion, there's not going to be a huge change for the Brother Rice. Uh, football team this fall. Since Adam Korzanewski had coached under Al Fracasa, there's not going to be a, a, a massive change into the direction and the, the message that's sent through the Brother Rice program, especially the way that it's been for, for such a long time. But there will be a little bit of a learning curve for Korzanewski and the team. But I, th- I think because of the roots 
that Korzenuski has, being being a brother rice guy, I think it's going to be very similar to what Catholic Central has. They're going to be able to pick up relatively quickly. And then you look at a brother rice team who's, who's made a lot of strides the last couple of years, improvements, and they made the playoffs last year. And I think they're going to be able to take that next step forward under Korzenuski. And, you know, this is a team that's got a lot of returners from last year's team. So I think it's going to be a relatively smooth transition for both teams. But, I, you know, I, I know you and I have both talked about this. It's going to be very strange seeing that Brother Rice Catholic Central rivalry. And you look over at one sideline, there's no Al Fracasa. And you look back across at the other, there's no Tom Mack. You know, that's, that's going to be very, uh, very, a oh, very strange sight. And Dave Soffer now works at Detroit Catholic Central. Do you expect him to be on the sidelines when football season starts, or is he going to take a role at the school and that's it? To be honest, I don't really know. You look at Dave Soffer, and he's a guy that, that is, you know, obviously football's been a big part of, of his life for a long time. You know, being, you know, Al Fricasa's top assistant for all those years, being the head coach at Brother Rice the last three years, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, Dave Soffern has some type of, of role with the Catholic Central football team. He took the job working in admissions at Catholic Central, so he you know he might be content with just taking that and maybe you know taking a year or two off from football. You don't really know. At some point, you have to expect that Dave Soffern, whether it's at Catholic Central or anywhere else, really, he's. I kind of assume he'll be back in you know in the in the coaching ranks in football. Number two, who do you think is going to be the favorites going into the season, and who do you think is going to be your dark horses? That's kind of tough when when you look at it because you know football practice hasn't even started. You know, obviously teams have done their camps and stuff, but we don't really know. I look at a team like Cast Tech. I know it's kind of the easy answer to throw out there, but Cast Tech has to be the favorite for me in Division One. I know they lost a lot of talent off of last year's team. When you look at it, they have a lot of transfers coming in to kind of fill the the shoe the shoes of those top tier players that left. You know, you got a guy like. Brandon Gray, who's going to come in and play receiver, and they've obviously got a deep receiving core. But the biggest thing that makes me think that uh, Cast Tech can be that legitimate contender once again this year is the quarterback position. You know, every every question mark for a team that loses a senior quarterback like Cast Tech did with Rodney Hall last year is, well, who who's going to be you know running the offense? For Cast Tech, is a guy that has plenty of experience in in Aaron Jackson. Rodney Hall's gotten hurt; he's been banged up in the past, and Aaron Jackson has stepped in and filled in. Pretty pretty darn well when you look at his body of work. He's going to step in as a senior leader this year. He's committed to Eastern Michigan. And I think he's going to be that that guy that really kind of paces that Cast Tech offense and you know is that calming force that most teams don't have after losing a senior quarterback. You know that's that's why I think Cast Tech is is got to be one of if not the favorites in Division One. Do you think the addition of Lou Arthur Nichols and mm-hmm. that, that running game? You think he's going to be that main guy, or is it going to be a running back by committee again this year? For me, I think the main guy for that Cast Tech um, offense, at least running the ball, is going to be Jaron Mangum. He's a a 2019 running back who's got a lot of offers, but having Lou Arthur Nichols in that backfield is going to be a nice change of pace. It's going to it's going to keep defenses on their heels. So I think that there's two good things about Lou Arthur Nichols, who came over from Southfield A and T and joined Cast Tech. Is you're not going to put too much of a workload on Mangum, you know you're going to be able to split the carries and, and do things like that. But then you you have two dynamite talents out of the backfield. You won't have to put a whole lot on Aaron Jackson's shoulders, you know, throwing the ball too much or, or making too many plays with his feet. You have two running backs that are capable of doing that. You don't have to put too much on Mangum or Nichols. They're going to split carries, and I think they're going to 
to really kind of wear down defenses as games go on. You know, having two running backs is a, is a big deal. Besides Castec, uh, do you see like a Utica Eisenhower, a Celine being a favorite? Obviously, you said earlier that Catholic Central could be one of the contenders. Who who do you think in Division One can challenge Castec? You look at a team like Catholic Central, they've lost to Castec in the finals. They come back this year, that big offensive line that we've all become used to knowing and seeing the way that they, they block, whether it's pass protection or in the running game. Uh, that offensive line is going to be anchored by a guy like Nick Carey, who, who's been there and done that for a couple of years at Catholic Central. Then they also got uh, a guy like Isaac Darkangelo, who I think is going to be an impact player on both offense and defense for the Shamrocks. I really think Catholic Central is, again, going to be a contender in Division One. And with CC, who's going to be their starting quarterback this year? The O'Day was a couple years ago. Now he's mm-hmm. at Divine Child. Right. Austin Brown was last year's starting quarterback. Now he's at Madison Heights Madison. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the next guy in line that's going to be the third starting quarterback in the last three years for Troy Catholic Central? You know, I, th- I think it's going, you know, who we don't really know, first and foremost. You know, we can speculate on who it may be. That's a Catholic Central program that back when it was Austin Brown and Theo Day battling it out for the starting quarterback job a few years ago, we had no idea who's going to start on day one. Um, and I really don't think we're going to know until you know that that kickoff takes place and we see the Catholic Central offense run out onto the field. The guy that I think a lot of us thought was going to get the start in the state championship game last year after Austin Brown went down with a broken leg against Romeo, I believe, in the semifinals, a kid named Marco Jenridge, mm-hmm. who was essentially the backup for most of the year. I think he's going to be a junior this year, so I think that's going to be their guy in the state finals. Catholic Central decided to go with a with a senior, somebody who's a little bit more experienced than Jenrich, but I think he's a guy that could be the the next guy up for the Shamrocks. And then I just wanted to name one other you know favorite I think in Division One. You you had made mention of him, and I think it's Utica Eisenhower. Last year was a very special year for Eisenhower. You know they were they were pretty close to to. It, Beating Castec and making it to it, fourteen. It only took a amazing catch by Donovan Peoples right. Jones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. If he didn't make that catch, and obviously Ike would have been in the final against CC. Right. So it, it just shows you what a what a magical year that was for Eisenhower because that Castec team was picked by almost everybody to win the state championship from the start of the season. Um, they had a couple of bumps, one against once against Celine, and the other against Utica Eisenhower. And I think Eisenhower has what it takes to get back there, at least to that point this year. They got a quarterback like Max Whitware, who's just, he's a winner. There, there's not a whole lot more you can say about a guy than just he wins football games. Uh, he was the starter some at some point in his sophomore season, and, and you know he, he took Eisenhower big run throughout the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs. Last year, obviously, he led them into the semifinals. Eisenhower's going to have to replace some key players from last year's team, but I think with Max Whitwer, you know, under center, I think that's going to be a calming force for Eisenhower. See if they can maybe make another run, you know, for a, for a second straight year, maybe maybe back to the semifinals, perhaps further. You know, I'm not really sure. Uh, you mentioned Celine; they're probably more of a, a dark horse at this point. But one thing you can't forget about Celine is, you know, they've turned into a program that's next man up. It's not. You know, we make a run and then we'll be back in a couple of years. That's a team that's known for just you know bringing in the next guy to, to who's going to do a really good job. You know, you look like Josh Jackson, who was playing quarterback, went on to Virginia Tech. Zach Schwartzenberger steps in, and you know, they they look like a team that hasn't missed a beat. Mm-hmm. We talked before we got on the mic here, mm-hmm. and the dark horses 
everyone thinks that it's going to be West Bloomfield as that dark horse. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I look at West Bloomfield as a team that how many teams are really going to be able to compete with them offensively? You have a kid like Bryce Beasley, a Division One quarterback that's going to Bowling Green, and then you look at his weapons. You know, Weapon A and Weapon B are two wide receivers that are going to Wisconsin. A.J. Abbott, a wide receiver who transferred over from Northville, and then Taj Mustafa, who's also going to Wisconsin. Those are two big-time targets that not a whole lot of teams can say, yeah, we have two Big Ten receivers and another Division One quarterback. So I think West Bloomfield's going to be able to score with just about anybody. And a big test for West Bloomfield is going to be in Week 1 when they take on Wald Lake Western. I think I'm... You know, and, when, and with some transfers there, too. Yeah, Wald Lake Western has some transfers there, too. Only a couple. Right. It's kind of strange to say it, but if West Bloomfield's the dark horse in Division One, even though Wald Lake Western was in the finals last year and lost to Detroit King, Wald Lake Western might be a dark horse in Division Two. You know, quarterback like Sam Johnson and offensive lineman like, like Spencer Brown, those are guys who can really take over what was already a really talented team and maybe, you know, help Wald Lake Western to make another deep run. You know, this is a team that is is no stranger to making deep runs in the playoffs, and now that they have a guy like Sam Johnson, the Division One quarterback, and Spencer Brown, who just committed to Michigan State to play on the offensive line, Wald Lake Western is capable of making a run in the playoffs. If Wald Lake Western does beat Westman Field at the PKC, they have a good chance to go undefeated during the regular season. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Wild Lake Western schedule, and you, it's hard not to think that West Bloomfield is going to be their toughest game. The Warriors have kind of proven they're the the class of the KLAA over the last couple of years, and it's a big challenge for Wild Lake Western, and equally a big challenge for West Bloomfield. But whoever wins that game is really going to set themselves up nicely for the rest of the season. We're really talking about Division One because uh-huh. obviously we're based out of here in Southeast Michigan, so we know a lot more about the Southeast Michigan teams, right? I do feel in the Flint area, you might see a Davison Mm -hmm. be a dark horse, too. Right. You know, I I look at a team like Davison, you kind of think to yourself, you know, last year they had such a great regular season, and, you know, they stumbled a little bit in the playoffs. But let's not forget that that was the best team that Davison has had in quite a while. So that experience from last year, the success that they had, you know, the loss that they had to Clarkson that ended their season, I think that's going to prove to be an important moment in time for Davis and if this year's team is going to make a run see how much they're able to rebound from that how much they're able to improve from last season and we'll really see what Davison is made out of this year I, you know obviously they're led by Tariq Reed who was a Mr. Football candidate last year you know he was bottled up a little bit in that loss how much does Davison get better we will see but Kyle Zimmerman you know is going to have that team ready to go come come opening week and I really think that Davison is a team that that's capable of making a run. Obviously, it's a tough path. You know, obviously Clarkson's going to be a team that stands in their way. We will see. You know, that's. But I, I think that Davison's a team that's always improving. I don't expect that improvement to just stop now that they they had one of their best seasons in recent history. Let's talk about how the players buy into his program. Yeah, you know, you you look at what Kyle has, uh, Coach Zimmerman has accomplished both at Notre Dame prep. This is a team that is very motivated every time they're out on the field. You know, Coach Zimmerman and the rest of his coaching staff do a great job of, of motivating these players and and getting them ready on a week in, week out basis. And, you know, this year will be well last year was proof of it and I I'm sure we'll see it again this year. I don't I don't doubt that from you know our D 
dealings and, and interactions with Coach Zimmerman at Notre Dame Prep and now at Davison, you know he is a he is a player's coach, and I th- I think that anybody that's played for him will tell you that. And I think he's going to have Davison ready to go again this year. Who do you see as other dark horses? One team that it, it seems like every time we have high expectations for Southfield A and T, they come up a little bit short. And whenever we're down on Southfield A and T, you know they they tend to surprise us. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Southfield A and T make a little bit of a run this year. Um, John Darby, who filled in at quarterback for Sam Johnson when he went down last year, um, I think he's he's got the experience under his belt to make a difference this year. Eric McCarn, who's a, a running back for Southfield, this is going to be a team to keep an eye on just because Coach Conley does a really good job of coaching his guys up, and I think this is going to be a year where they surprise some people when, when not a whole lot of people expect it because they've lost quite a few players to transfer, whether it was to Wald Lake Western where Sam Johnson went or if it's Cast Tech where Brandon Gray and Lou Arthur Nichols went. You know, he, he does a good job of coaching his players up, and, and I don't think the transfers will impact this team as much as some people would believe. And then another team that I, I think is a dark horse, obviously not Division One, but another dark horse team I like is Oak Park. You look at Oak Park, and this is a team that has – Two big offensive linemen in Justin Rogers and Mark Juan McCall. You know, I think McCall is committed to Kentucky. I think Rogers is a highly recruited offensive lineman out of the class of 2019. Um, those are two big linchpins to have on an offensive line. These are two big building blocks to have on your offensive line, and I think that's going to really help Oak Park this year. And they have a quarterback that a lot has been expected out of. He was committed to Iowa State. He's reopened his recruiting. Dwan Mathis, I think, is ready for a breakout year. I think Oak Park has a really big year in front of them this year. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back here on Kids Corner. Fundraising should be fresh, flavorful, and simple. We have the perfect solution at Hungry Howie's Dough Razor. Your team or school can sell paper pizza certificates that can be redeemed for one medium pizza at participating locations. Hungry Howie's makes it easy. It's just a little mini pizza box, but we make lots of money, lots of dough. Go to doughraiser.com to learn more and sign up. Your next fundraiser comes with flavored crust. At Diversified Members Credit Union, we serve the entire state of Michigan. With over 30,000 fee-free ATMs, we're with you wherever you go to buy that new car, to take that dream vacation, to build that living room you've always wanted. Find out why so many people are choosing to own their own money by switching to a credit union. Apply today and become a member of the official credit union of the Detroit Lions. Visit us or click on dmcu.com. Welcome back to Kids Corner here on the State Champs Podcast Network. Kids Corner is brought to you by Hungry Howie's Dough Razor. Go to doughraiser.com for more details. And Diversified Members Credit Union, the official credit union of the Detroit Lions. We're going to continue our storylines heading into high school football practice that starts on Monday in the state of Michigan. We're going to touch on recruiting for a few minutes. Spencer Brown, his first two seasons, he was at Wall Lake Northern. Mm-hmm. Now he's at Wall Lake Western. He committed on Monday, and he's going to where? Michigan State. Uh, Spencer Brown is a big offensive lineman. I think a lot of people didn't expect his recruitment to blow up like it has in the last 
six months or so, I would say. At the end of his sophomore season, I think a lot of people still believe that Spencer Brown's future was as a defensive lineman. He had made a lot of noise at Wild Lake Northern along the defensive line. And I think going now he's going into his junior year, and I think now we're looking at a, a case where he's an offensive lineman. I've been told that Michigan State wants him to play offensive line, wants him to play more of it, get more um, acclimated with the position. But I think a lot of people expected him to get these Big Ten offers like a Michigan State offer, you know, three, four months from now at the end of his junior season. But Michigan State jumped at the chance to offer him, and Spencer Brown's a, been, made it known that he's a, a bit of a Michigan State fan, and he was ready to jump on that offer. And I think with Spencer Brown now at Wild Lake Western, we're going to see um, just what kind of offensive lineman he is at the high school level. Obviously, having made his name as a defensive lineman for a little bit, I'm interested to see how he improves as a, as an offensive lineman, you know, over the next four months and then into a senior year in 2018. We talked earlier about Brandon Gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at Southfield A and T. Now he's at Cast Tech. Yep. He's now committed to Washington State, so he's going to head out west. Yeah, way know, west. Yeah. Not often do you hear. You know, a school like Washington State being able to come into the Midwest and get big-time playmaker like Brandon Gray. But he's going out to play at Washington State. For those of you who don't know, Mike Leach, the former Texas Tech coach, is the coach at Washington State. They they like to throw the ball, so I would assume that Brandon Gray is going out there because he wants to to get some big-time stats and you know pad those numbers because Mike Leach likes throwing the ball 60-plus 60, 60 times a game. So that means that as long as he puts in the necessary work, which he will, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to see a lot of targets you know, in his time at Washington State. He's a 6'5 receiver, has great hands, has great body control, can outleap you know, opposing defensive backs. You know, he's, he's going to be a good get for Washington State, and I think he's going to fit that system really well. So, Jeff, what's going on over at Rochester Adams? Rochester Adams has one of the most under-the-radar defensive backs in the entire state of Michigan named Vincent Gray. I think he's a player who's who's ready for a breakout year, and people are going to really know who Vincent Gray is at the end of this year. But Vincent Gray committed to Missouri um, a couple weeks ago, and I think that's a really good get for Missouri. And I think it, it just shows you that Vincent Gray is going to an SEC school. You know, he's an, he's an SEC caliber player, and we're going to see a kid that's going to have a big year on the defensive side of the ball. I think he he's he doesn't hasn't gotten enough of the the attention that he deserves to this point. But don't forget about him because he's a big-time playmaker. He's going to be a guy that's going to make a lot of noise in the OAA this year. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him make an impact on the offensive side of the ball either, but he is a defensive back that's going to Missouri. And I think we're going to find out a lot more about him as this year goes on. All right, and our final storyline here on Kids Corner, John Harrington is just five wins away of tying Alfracasa, and then yep. obviously if he wins six games this year, he – he breaks the all-time coaching record in MHSA history. Do you think he's going to do it this year? I think so. I, you know, you look at Harrison as a program. You look at Harrison as a program. That's a school that, you know, they're they're just built for the playoffs. They're built to make the playoffs. They're built to make runs. While Harrison is said to be closing within the next couple of years, I still don't think that they're they're down enough to the point where they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, so I, I do expect them to make the playoffs, and I think that's what's going to be the the most entertaining part about the season as Harrington's chasing down that record because it's pretty simple. If Harrison makes the playoffs, John Harrington breaks the record. If Harrison misses the playoffs, John Harrington has to wait another year to get to get that record. 
they can still get in at five wins if they're right. playoff points. So they can still win it if they only win five games. They can still get in and win a playoff game and break right. the record there. Which I think is what makes makes the whole, I guess, chase of Alfred Casa's wins record kind of exciting about it. Because let's say Harrison makes the playoffs with five wins, you know, everybody's going to keep their eye on that that playoff game because if you know, how fitting would it be for John Harrington? where he's had so much success in the playoffs to break that record in the playoffs. But you know for certain that John Harrington lost that record before the end of the regular season to ensure a spot in the playoffs just because, you know, six wins is an automatic into the playoffs. Um, so it'll, it'll be very interesting. Um, you know, you talk about John Harrington, Tom Mack, Al Fricasa. These are, are the guys, these are the best coaches of, of our era of covering high school football. And now we're watching Al Fricasa, who's been retired for a couple of years, and John Harrington. Al Fricasa's been retired for a couple of years. Tom Mack just retired before the start of this year. And John Harrington, I'm not sure how many years he plans on coaching, or how many more years he plans on coaching. You know, he's still chasing down that record. And it's kind of, it's been fun to watch, you know, three legends that's just that's what these guys are we did two we've done two shows one on Al Fricasso one on Tom Mack for our legend series you know John Harrington is a legend just as much as as either of those two coaches Um, and it's just been fun to watch and and regardless of of coaching record coaching wins whatever that is all three coaches are, are tremendous coaches they've accomplished tremendous things with each of their schools and more than anything they're they're great people and great mentors for these high school football players and high school students that they, they've been able to teach and coach over the last several decades. And also, too, you can also put George Port up there, too. Look at George Port, and he's been you know a, a huge figure for St. Mary's, not just in football. He coached basketball. He's coached other sports. And, and you look at he. I don't think he's – I don't think George Port's close to the coaching record, the wins record in football, but with all the state championships he's won at St. Mary's, with all of the things that he's accomplished as the head football coach for the Eaglets, you know, if we're talking about, you know, a, a Mount Rushmore of high school football coaches, you know, I think the I think the four that we just named, George Porritt, Alfred Casa, John Harrington, Tom Mack, those are the four that go on that, that Mount Rushmore. But what I'm very interested to see is going forward is, you know, we've we've had all these legendary coaches. Who are the next coaches to kind of you know, be in that that legendary status, and I think we're a, quite a few years away from seeing another coach that reaches that type of status. You know, probably maybe more than a decade from seeing it. Yeah, because I noticed like we started state champs in two thousand two, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to see see some of these coaches that been at the same school for a very long right. time. You had Tim Beckler, who's been at Canton for yeah. a good fifteen years. Mike Sadepsky, Thomas Wilcher. Yeah, uh, Noel, Dean, Noel Dean, Ralph Munger. Yep. No, these these are all Terry Hesbrook. Yeah, you know that that little town in Ithaca sometimes gets forgotten, but he's he's been a tremendous coach out out at Ithaca, and they've had a tremendous football program for the last ten years. You you see the the coaches that like Tom Mack and Al Fricasa that are retired. Um, you look at the coaches like George Port and John Harrington, who are who are legends that are still coaching. And then you look at some of those names that you just listed off, and these are definitely guys that are are next in that kind of that next kind of wave of coaches that could be considered to have 
you know that legendary status. You said Thomas Wilcher. He's done great things at Cast Tech over the last you know twenty some years, right? Uh, and you look at Noel Dean's done great things at Lowell, and Ralph Munger's done great things at Rockford, and Mike Zadebski's done great things at Wild Lake Western, and Terry Hesbrook's done great things at Ithaca. You know, it's just something to keep an eye on and watch because these are coaches that have been with these these schools for a very long time. And let's not forget Kurt Richardson over at Clarkson. Right, yeah, Kurt Richardson over at Clarkson. You know, that's that's another really good one. And these are all guys that have meant so much to not only the football programs but the communities and the, the schools themselves. That that's that's kind of what's been fun for me to watch because we kind of get to know these coaches on a more personal level um, than just they're a football coach. And you know, these coaches they love coaching the game of football. They love coaching these high school kids. They love being a part of these communities and making a difference in their communities and in their and in, in these people's lives. And that's that's been the fun part to see. And that's kind of that's kind of what's exciting when you watch Al Fracasa get his coaching record. And that's also what's exciting now that you see John Harrington, who's now chasing down that record for himself. It's fun to see the longevity and the importance it is to not only the coaches, but to, to the schools and the communities associated with those schools. Well, that's it for Kids Corner on the State Champs Podcast Network. Kids Corner is brought to you by Hungry Howie's Dough Razor. Go to doughraiser.com for more details and Diversify Members Credit Union, the official credit union of the Detroit Lions. I'm Jonathan Kidd along with Jeff Dulac, and we'll talk to you soon right before the season starts.